0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Welcome to Season 2021, Episode 15: Leaning Toward Wisdom, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. I'm your host, Randy Cantrell, coming to you live, recorded, from the Yellow Studio. When it can't be done, do it anyway. What about when it must be done? Well, then you absolutely have to do it, no matter what. I'm on a coaching Zoom call with a client, and I say something that I say pretty regularly to clients. You can do whatever you want. This executive is weighing options in search of the best option. Well, it's pretty much what we all do. So, we're hashing out the pros and the cons of the obvious choices before we move on to the not so obvious choices, which sometimes the not so obvious choices are the best ones. And as I am wont to do, I challenge my client to consider any and every option, weighing these things, taking into account the need and the desire to mitigate any risk. What's the upside? What's the downside? You know, as a person that coaches higher performance in others as well as myself, I'm always provoked to try to urge all of us, and it begins with me, for all of us to first let's, let's don't do any more harm. Let's, let's, let's stop doing harm. Let's if, if we're doing things that aren't working, if we're doing things that are causing things to become worse, well, let's first, we got to stop doing that. Paul McCartney, he said, I specialize in bold mistakes. That was an interesting quote. I didn't read it. I heard him say it. I'm watching that new documentary. It's relatively new. It's a multi-part documentary documentary with Rick Rubin. I'm not sure where that's at. Is that on Netflix? I'm not sure. You can find it. But Rick Rubin, the famed record producer, he and Paul McCartney, they are they're doing this series together and in one of their conversations Paul utters that quote, "I specialize in bold mistakes." And I grew up the the Beatles really hit about the time I was like in first grade. So it really, yes, they were on my consciousness, but not so much. I'm about six to 10 years behind that group that was probably heavily influenced by the Beatles. McCartney has often criticized for writing pop upbeat, you know, little love songs. While a number of people viewed John Lennon as the more serious songwriter and Paul, in this series of documentaries, he explains that his viewpoint in writing these upbeat, optimistic songs, it originated from his good childhood. This is this a childhood that he assumed, well, everybody has this experience. And it's why even today, as an old man, he remains highly optimistic. I mean, you can judge him by the songs that he's authored. I mean, the one that leapt to my mind as I was preparing to hit record today was Here Comes the Sun. I mean, Here Comes the Sun is a perfect example of this, you know, this great optimistic viewpoint. And so I'm sitting here and I'm watching one of the last two remaining Beatles, Paul McCartney, now in his late 70s, and he's still got, you know, that boyish look. To him, the music of his youth, because come on, the Beatles broke up in April of 1970. You realize Paul McCartney was only 29 years old when the Beatles were done. (laughs) They'd been together for eight years. And here he is. He's listening to these Beatles tracks with record producer, Rick Rubin. And the the documentary is, they're basically dissecting some of these tunes. They're commenting all along the way as Paul is reminiscing about these songs and what provoked the songs. And he's reminiscing about the recording of these songs, most of them made over 50 years ago. And his enthusiasm for the songs and for those times, it's evident. You can just look in the guy's eyes and see it. John Lennon, a very different man, a very different songwriter, a very different person who grew up quite differently from Paul. Paul admits that maybe until he met John and realized, you know, John didn't have the childhood that Paul had. So I think Paul probably felt a little bit naive. He probably felt like, well, this is a viewpoint that certainly everybody's got. No, not so much. John did not share Paul's optimism, and his songs reflected the difference. Paul confesses that, you know, he just assumed that everybody kind of had a very similar childhood, but John Lennon showed him that that was not true. Stories like that, they are important, and they're important to this conversation today because the real point of it all, I guess, is possibility. Not probability and maybe not even likelihood and not even practicality, but it is also why I love the sentiment. You may have seen it. I've shared it, but it's not anything terribly new. Whatever you must do today, do it with the confidence of a four-year-old in a Batman cape. And I absolutely love that sentiment. If you care, I'm going to show you some pics of some children. These are children in my life or who once were. Just go to leaningtowardwisdom.com 2021 episode 15 and you will see this collage of these kids dressed up sometimes and just, you know, behaving. It Kids doing and dreaming of doing what, what can't be done and doing it. You and I, we did it when we were kids. We did it all the time. We built forts that we never thought we could. We built tree houses that didn't exist. We imagined that we were all kinds of characters living in completely made up places or maybe even real places We dreamed of becoming all sorts of things like writers or cartoonists. My hands are in the air. I didn't really become either one, but my whole life has really been influenced by those early dreams. I had friends who dreamed of becoming attorneys, veterinarians, doctors, teachers, nurses, auto mechanics. I don't know if any of them made it or not. I mean, I've long lost touch with, any friends that I had in childhood, even high school or college. But I suspect that most of us probably found something else. And maybe like me, maybe the greater percentage just stumbled into something else. But today, the thing that really forces me to hit the record button is a preoccupation with two narratives. But first, let me back up you do know that you're writing a story. We're all writing a story. Every day we are writing a story and it is the story of our life and we can write it any way that we choose to. And if you look at your life and you ask the question about what can be done, what can't be done. And the title is intentional when it can't be done, do it anyway. And while I say that the real point of it all is possibility and not necessarily probability. That's not exactly true because what is possible. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that all of us completely get that. I'm not sure that all of us completely understand the degree to which things are possible. I think it's pretty well proven that we are largely the problem. We get in our own way. We stymie our own growth. We stymie our own progress and improvement because, well, we don't think it's possible. We don't think we can. And so we're defeated before we ever begin, or it compels us to neglect to begin because, well, what's the point? You know, if there's no chance for success, no reason to start, right? I got preoccupied by this a few weeks ago as I am wont to do with, podcast episodes here at leaning toward wisdom. These are kind of pondering episodes and as many listeners have observed through the years, it's just kind of like, we're just kind of like on this walk together. We're just kind of talking this thing through and trying to figure this out. This is not about me holding forth. This is not about me telling you, well, Hey, here's what you ought to do. I, I don't know. I got an email today. I do a number of other podcasts and have, I got way too many projects. I'll just put it that way. And in asking a guest, a future scheduled guest for a particular work, kind of a base podcast to give a brief, give us a brief, give us a brief introduction, a brief bio that we can record at the outset of the episode. Once you appear, (laughs) get this full page email. I mean, you would think that this person had, I mean, they were just spectacular. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like, well, how could anybody possibly, how could anybody possibly live their life without you in their life? I mean, you know, everything from guru to thought leader to all of the popular business buzzwords that are used. I've not met this person. I'm not judging them. Well, yeah, I kind of am. I'm reading this though. And I'm thinking, you know, what kind of inflated sense of oneself do you have to have to write an entire page of just glowing on and on and on and on. I mean, this, this magnificently detailed Instagram kind of a moment bio. I get it on one level. I get the whole visibility thing and the whole putting your best foot forward and selling yourself and promoting yourself. I, I get that part of it. I just, are you like me? I just, I just don't think of myself in those terms and I can't, I just can't. And I look at this and I read this and I'm somewhat envious I'm not envious of all the accolades that this person gives themselves or even the ones that they genuinely earn because someone else bestowed it on them. But I'm rather envious of, I'm envious of the mindset that can actually send an email like that, you know, because I just so couldn't do that. I, I, I would never hit send on an email like that. And, and I know many, many people who do and, and perhaps that's, it could be argued. It absolutely could be argued. Well, that's, that's why you've not achieved as much as you probably could achieve. You're holding yourself back. Where's that line? Where is that line between overt cockiness, I'm God's gift to the universe kind of thinking and any semblance of humility? I don't know. I'm searching for it. And I feel like I've been spending my whole life kind of searching for it. And it speaks to the issue today of when it can't be done, do it anyway, of the confidence that we need in ourselves to move forward. Whatever forward looks like for you. When we think it can't be done, sometimes it can't. So what are you going to do? Well, you got to move forward anyway. And other times it can be done, but we just can't see it being done. We certainly, well, we can't see ourselves doing it. We might could see somebody else doing it. I honestly, I battle hypocrisy a lot when it comes to my work as I'm coaching people for higher performance and intellectually, and even based on experience, I know these things, I know these, I know some things to be empirically true. I know other things. It's much more vague. For instance, my particular personality and communication style, there are certain things that I know are true that absolutely are effective and work for me, but to try to impose that on a client who is wired very differently from me and whose communication style is very different from mine. Well, that would just be a colossal mistake. It wouldn't be good for them. During my first or second session with every client, I hammer home the point you need to be more of who you are. We just all need to be the best version of ourselves, but you need to be more of who you are. You don't need to try to be somebody that you're not, something that you're not. And I'm kind of fascinated with that quote. I think it was Einstein who said, you know, we, we don't ask fish to climb trees. They're fish and it makes sense, right? We, we, we can picture that and we're like, well, of course a fish can't climb a tree because that's not what fish do. And in much the same way, there are things that we do and we do really well and we do them quite naturally. And I'm not saying that we didn't experience some education and training along the way. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to learn some new skills and develop some new things, but. Well, I'll just pick on myself, my propensity for empathy and my propensity to get things right and to figure things out and to be a candid communicator. Those are qualities that I have learned to lean into. I have also learned to try to develop them more and refine them more and make them more positive and try to suck out any negatives that might have been associated with those. And for instance, empathy, my empathy is so high. I have to take, I have to take a lot of care to not let it really grab hold of me. Case in point, There was a day a few weeks ago, and for whatever reason, with all the COVID stuff and everything, and I normally do most everything by Zoom anyway, uh, and only local clients here in the DFW area. I don't don't get on planes. I don't travel for client work. But even in that setting, a lot of schedules got kind of turned upside down because various clients in their workplaces – they had some exposures to COVID and so various and sundry kinds of things came up and it's like, okay, can we, I need to reschedule. And through some odd oddity of scheduling, I ended up with about four clients kind of back to back to back to back in one day. And that, that never happens because I just don't do it that way. And I don't do it that way for a reason because my empathy is so high and I get so invested in these relationships. And in this work, I got to the fourth call of the day. And these are sessions by the way, that last 90 minutes to two hours. And I was, I was just complete toast. In fact, I told the client, the fourth client, I said, we're going to, we're, today's on me. Today is on me. We're going we're going to repeat. I mean, we're going to go ahead, but I am absolutely not on my, and I just was honest with the client. I said, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on with me. I'm going to tell you why I'm off my game. I'm off my game because I've met with three other people before you. And I am, I am spent. I am spent, you know, they tried to back out and I said, no, 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 no. I want to have this conversation because this is good for me. Uh, And I want to be of some benefit to you. I don't want to waste your time, but today this is on me. And we had a perfectly fine session. But my point of the story is that my propensity toward empathy makes me have to better manage it. And if I don't, I pay the price for it. And in this case, a client can potentially pay the price for it just in lost time, lost productivity, whatever, you know, come on. It's the hazards of being somebody that coaches high performance. It's like, well, you better be high performing too, or you're going to be a hypocrite. And I'm not going to lie to you. And my clients all know it because I freely confess it. I'm sometimes a hypocrite. I'm sometimes a hypocrite. I know what to do. It doesn't mean I always do it. I'm not this perfect human being on the other end of the zoom call. I'm not this perfect human being behind this microphone talking to you. I've, I've told you millions of times. It seems I don't have it figured out. This podcast is about us trying to figure it out. We are, it's why it's leaning toward wisdom. We're just trying to lean more toward wisdom and further away from our own foolishness. And it is a constant, constant juggling act that all of us do. So here's the preoccupation that really kind of set this whole thing in motion. The story that we are writing, the story of our life. Now, you may be physically writing it with a word processor opened up on your computer, but you are absolutely writing it in reality by the way you live your life your life as a story and best I can tell there are two primary narratives that we are all writing and one is going to emerge as the dominant story that we're writing but we all can fluctuate from one to the other and they are admittedly they are two extremes and here they are the victim or the hero the victim or the hero. By the time I get into a few sessions with clients, I typically go ahead and tell clients, here's exactly what's going on. Here's exactly what I'm doing. My job is to help you paint yourself into a corner. Well, that doesn't sound very appetizing. It's not, but it's super productive because once we paint ourselves into the corner, We got nowhere else to go but forward. Once our back is against the wall, especially in a corner, no escape. That's kind of the point. I don't back people into a corner, but all of us need to back ourselves into a corner. And most of us need some help to do that because it typically is not a place that we willingly go to. But if somebody is capable of serving us really well, they can help us paint ourselves into that corner. Here's the reason the corner is so, so important and valuable. That's where all the magic happens. That's where we come face to face with ourselves. That's when we begin to first and finally understand we are responsible. Doesn't mean that we're to blame for everything, but it does mean that we are at a point where now we can either accept responsibility or we can continue to avoid it. Once we have painted ourselves into the corner, then now we have this mirror and this is really where some people can help us. They hold this mirror up for us and they say, okay, look into the mirror because this is the person This is the person that you can control. This is the only person that you can control. This is the person who is responsible for this life that you have. You. Well, many of us don't want that. We don't like that. And we don't even want to subscribe to the fact that that's the truth. We would rather hold that mirror up to someone else and say, looky here. You're, you're the reason for my problem. You're the reason for my failure. You're the reason I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't make this other thing happen. You're the reason that my dreams aren't coming true. It's all your fault. Victim. Paint ourselves into the corner. Look intently into the mirror and come to the conclusion. It's the Pogo thing, right? We have met the enemy and he is us. We have met the enemy and he is us. Well, Once we come to grips with that, if this is a huge, if, if we're willing to accept the responsibility for all the outcomes of our life, not the blame, but only we can do something. Only we can react to whatever's happened to us. Only we can control ourselves. We can't control anybody else. And now we got to find a path forward. Do we want to stay in this corner? Nobody wants to stay in the corner. I sometimes liken it to a doghouse. Sometimes, as parents, we discipline our children and we put them in a doghouse. Not literally, but we got to give them a way out. Leaders and managers and bosses sometimes have to correct employees in a doghouse. Sometimes our spouses put us appropriately so in a doghouse because we've done something we we've injured we've spoken out of turn we've mistreated well we don't want to stay in the doghouse we want out of the doghouse we're all looking for a way out of the doghouse we're looking for a way out of this corner and so that's the third step finding the path forward my work professionally is involved in all three of those activities to help clients paint themselves into a corner, to help them look into the mirror and accept responsibility and to show them to guide them. Here's a way out. And we just do it together. And all through this process, one of the two narratives is going to emerge the victim, the hero. I'm really, really lucky that in a dozen years of doing this work, I've so far only encountered one person, just one Victim, everybody else was really intent on becoming a hero. And frankly, to be truthful, they all pretty much started out as heroes. They were just going through maybe a little bit of a victim circumstance or situation that they needed a little bit of help to get unstuck as we say. But let's think about this. Let's think about the victim. Let's think about the hero. Let's think about when it can't be done, do it anyway. Does that sound like it's something that a victim would do? No, that's absolutely, that's hero work right there. Because here's the fascinating thing about heroes. Heroes are not people who live Instagram lives. Heroes emerge from a burning building, from an earthquake, from a disaster, from a battlefield, from a catastrophe. Heroes are made from all this pain and all this suffering and all this hardship. And as they look around, they think maybe it can't be done. Maybe we can't escape this, but I got to try. And they emerge a hero in part, some succeeded others. I'm thinking of nine 11 others. They died heroes, not because they succeeded, but because they tried. I, I, have for years and years defined leadership very simply as influence and the ability to do for others what they cannot do for themselves. I'm a simpleton. So that's my view of leadership. And we are all capable of that with somebody. You might not be capable of it with a whole bunch of people, like the emailer that I got that wrote me a one-page bio, and you would think, well, how can any person, any country, any company how can how can they even think about moving forward without this person Mm -hmm. this person is so incredible maybe you're not all that well i'm not either but maybe there's somebody no there's not a maybe there there is somebody that you influence there is somebody that you can do something for that they cannot do for themselves but you can and not only can you do it there might be a third component here that I probably should give more attention to, and that is you're the right person for it. You're just the right person for it. You ever had somebody come up and, you know, they they want to engage you or they want to console you or something? And you just don't have that kind of a relationship, and maybe you just don't even like them that much. Yeah, me too. They're just not the right person for it but they have no awareness of it. And you know why they don't have any awareness of it, don't you? Cause it's not about you. It's about them. Well, that's the reason that their leadership is ineffective because leaders don't do it for themselves. You're trying to serve somebody else and you're trying to do something for others that they can't do for themselves. So there's that when it can't be done, do it anyway, hero or victim. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know what your sorrows are. I don't know what your present circumstance is, but I would dare say there's something on your mind. Some of you have got some pretty serious things on your mind. Others of you maybe less so, but it's still problematic. Everybody's got problems. Most of us, we hide them. We hide them really well. And I'm not going to throw rocks at that. Because quite frankly, do you want to be the person who's living your life so out loud that you're sharing every woe, every problem, every struggle with the whole universe? No, that's exhausting. Uh And besides that, that's what victims do. Heroes don't do that. Heroes take a look around. They realize that their back's against the wall and they realize that you know, if it is to be, it's up to me and they're determined. We're going to try to improve this situation if we can, sometimes you kind of have a clear cut idea about how other times you're groping right out of the gate, but one of the fascinating things to me about the hero is the hero is also taking other people along the journey. So as you write your story, the story of your life, if you're a victim You're taking people along for the ride. It's not a very good ride. It's bad. It drains people. It preoccupies people with all the wrong things. It spreads negativity. It spreads pessimism. It robs people of hope. That's a story you want to write. Are you sure? Heroes, on the other hand, circumstances are bad, but let's not make them worse. Let's see if we can improve them. We take people along, and it's a journey of hope. Every hero's journey is a journey of hope, hope that we can get out of this situation, hope that we can improve things, hope that we can come out the other side. Will we make it? We don't know. We hope we do. We're working toward it, but it might not work out. And even if it doesn't work out, is it a better story? You think of the nine 11 quote unquote heroes, these people who were trying desperately to lead people out of the building. These, these first responders who went in not having a clue how horrific this thing was going to end. How could any of us have, have known? We've never seen anything like that, but they went in with hope, hope they could save some folks, hope that they could make a difference. Some did and some didn't, but man, it was still a journey worth taking. It still beat. Just being a victim, which are you going to be, which role are you playing right now? As you look at your life and you survey the things that can't be done and you think to yourself, there's no way, no how, what if, what if you do it anyway? Whatever you must do today, do it with the confidence of a four-year-old in a Batman cape. I've got a six-year-old grandson, the youngest of five. His name is Kayson. When he was about a year and a half to two years old, I nicknamed him Road Rash Roy because, well, he's always got a scrape on his face. Kid's fearless. He doesn't need a Batman cape. In fact, I'm going to embed a video. When Roy, as I affectionately call him, was a two-year-old wearing only a diaper. Whatever must be done, Roy could do it with confidence. Of a two-year-old in a diaper. Forget being a four-year-old in a Batman cape. How can we do that? I don't know, but I to encourage you to figure it out because that's what I'm trying to do. The website is leaning toward My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome from inside the yellow studio.